As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Two people in studio with me, Kevin and Helena, they're husband and wife I'm going to come to you first Kevin uh, and we'll chat about you because you are about you are writing you have published two books and you are about to complete your third um, and you're, you're it's a very much a first you're the first patient of dementia to write two books and have a third one in the process now that's where I'm lost because <laughs> dementia I don't know anything about how you're able to do that. Good morning and welcome. It's great to be here and uh, thanks a million for having us. Yeah, um, I think that's the thing about dementia. When I was first diagnosed, I was told that I had a thing called Louis body dementia. Yeah. And of course, I didn't hear the word Louis and I didn't hear the word body. All I heard was dementia. And I said to the neurologist, I said, she does nothing wrong with my memory. Yes. How can I have dementia? So I was like so many people out there thinking dementia equals Alzheimer's equals memory loss. Because I've met dementia patients and I've done stories with families affected by dementia. And I know there are a number of different kinds of dementia. But here you are having, and we've been, you've been here for a few minutes, having a perfectly ordinary yeah. conversation with me. My impression as a layman of dementia, and I'm sure, Helene, I'll bring you in, in a minute. My impression as a layman of dementia might be that you don't even know how to put your shirt on or tie your tie. You see that, and that is the problem. And the type of dementia I have called Louis Wire dementia, it has a whole myriad of symptoms, but one of them isn't memory problems. Which is a strange thing. And like, that's why um, it's a very exciting year for people like me because this year Louis Body Ireland will be launched. Okay. And believe it or not, there are six and a half to 10,000 people like me in the country with Louis bodies. And the reason that we don't hear about it is exactly as you have said. People are afraid that when they'll go out and they're normal, or they seem normal, people say, she's nothing wrong with him. So take me back and give me a little history lesson. You're 59 now. When were you diagnosed? I was diagnosed when I was 
53, but I think it began probably around 49 to 50. Looking back at photographs of my 50th birthday party, I was a very, very unwell man, and we were living in Australia at the time. I see. And a doctor had said to me, I'd been in hospital on four occasions in the space of 12 months with different ailments, and pretty, pretty, I'd bore Homs disease, vitamin angitis, the blood flu, and one of the doctors there said, when you go back to Ireland, will you get yourself checked out for early onset Alzheimer's or Parkinson's? Right. Now, the only reason I took notes of him was because an uncle of mine had died in America from Alzheimer's. I see. But I came home and made an appointment, actually, with uh, Dr. Arno O'Toole here in Cork. She's a wonderful, wonderful neurologist. And um, I had lumbar puncture, and I came back to the Parkinson's. Right. But she knew there was more wrong. I didn't, but she knew there was more wrong. And she kept going and going with different scans and everything was coming back clear. And the final scan she did was called the death scan. It's D, capital D, small a, capital T scan. Yeah. And that showed that I had Lewy body deposits on my brain. Now, as I have found out, that scan is 85 to 95% accurate in detecting Lewy bodies. But what, 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 what were your... Symptoms. I'll come to what a Louis body is in a minute, but what were your symptoms? Like, you said you were an unwell man. You saw pictures of your 50th birthday. What, in what way were you unwell? I suppose the worst part of it are the nightmares. Like, I mean, absolutely horrific nightmares. You're dreaming that you're murdering people. I'll wake in the middle of the night. I won't know where I am. I won't know who I am. I definitely won't know who this person in the bed next to me is. Um, it's only her voice that I recognise. Right. Um, is I that have, even now, like? Oh, yeah. 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 And is that how it started? It, it, is how, it is how it started. And hallucinations, like seeing things, seeing cars that weren't there, seeing animals that weren't there. Not constant, mm. but enough to say, what's, what's going on here? You know, you'd mm. think you'd pass someone in the street and look around and there was no one there, or you'd think you'd pass a car and there was no car there. You were, like, imagining things, or as we use the expression, seeing things. Right. That's one way of putting it. But if I, if I have an hallucination, or if I say, right, there's a cat over there in that corner, there's no point in you telling me he's not there because I see him. Of course. So for someone like me, you need to go into their reality because if you go against them, I'll give you an example. Oh, well, that, that seems to be a common thing with dementia. Yeah. We get to that dementia. Yeah. It, if someone says, if I say there's a person over there in the corner with a dagger and he wants to come at me and you say, no, 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 there's no one there, I automatically think that you're in cahoots with him. So I will become afraid of you. But if you say, look, as long as I'm around, you're safe, you'll be able to talk me around. Or I understand completely. And that's, uh, yeah. that's and, the most and, distressing part. And a Louis body is, is literally a, a little thing that grows or forms in your brain. And is it... And this is purely a layman medical geek's expression here. And Helena, you can hop in and tell me I'm talking out my backside if I am. <laughs> that the Louis body is something that has manifested itself in your brain and its presence affects your thought process. Is that what we're doing, what we're talking about here? Yes. Yeah, that's so, um, Kevin's Louis body dementia, they're actually folded proteins, alpha-synuclein is the name of them. And of course, they affect that part of the brain that affects cognitive decline. Therefore, um, when Kevin was diagnosed with Parkinson's first at age 51, 
and then diagnosed with young onset Lewy body dementia at age 53. Before that, there was a whole, um, I suppose, a domino effect of loss yeah. in his life. Our old familiarity of our routines, our daily routines like everybody else, had already changed by diagnosis. Yeah. In that um, the major, I suppose, for me, the, the, the most challenging of his symptoms are REM sleep behaviour disorder. This is the, the thing yes. with waking up. So nightmares. when the rest of us are in a nightmare or in a dream, our muscles freeze and we can't move. But with REM sleep behaviour disorder, Kevin can move about. His hands can move. He can get up and walk around. So if he's trying to kill an intruder into the house and he's he believes that this visual hallucination that he's seeing, this big tall man or a couple of them, he believes that they are there so he can move around. So for you, as his wife, sharing a bedroom with him, this must have been very frightening at the start. Yes, it is uh, hugely uh, frightening. However, he used to take um, this particular tablet called Rivetril and he started off on one and now he's on 10 per night. Okay. Come back to me. We'll talk about that in a sec, but come, come, the medication, because I know a lot of medication can control mm. this. But come back to this. So here you are in bed with your husband and he's having a nightmare. But what's going on? Describe to me what's going on when Kevin's having a nightmare. Um, he could be shouting, he could be crying, he could be, uh, min uh, I suppose, grimacing that somebody is attacking him. And then I will just keep repeating, Kevin, Kevin. And then after a while, he will um, hear my voice and know. He might even see me as a man. It's not that he sees me as Helena. So I would always keep my distance because yeah. I have to protect myself wow. as well. It must have been terrifying the first couple of times when you had no idea what was going on here. Yes. Um, but uh, the, the symptoms of Lewy body are, um, they're so, um, I suppose, they're just, you have to see them in action to believe them. Wow. And that is where um, our, our medics, I believe, were fantastic. Because I went into every appointment with Kevin. Mm -hmm. And while they always asked Kevin how he was, they always listened to what I said also. Well, you were the direct witness to and how this... this is how important it is. <clears throat> if you're living in the house with somebody with dementia, the person, the carer, their supporter mm -hmm. needs to be there to answer some of the medic's questions because I see it 24-7 behind closed doors. Mm. Because a person with Louis body... Um, can show time and can make themselves, you know, kind of put petrol in the tank to come out. But Kevin could be in bed all day tomorrow. But today he has made a huge effort. And then the visual hallucinations, he doesn't drive anymore because of visual hallucinations. He would see cars or people. He doesn't work anymore because his executive skills deficit is huge and you, he kind of can't do two jobs, one following the other, but it's a lot, uh, it's a lot bigger than I that. Understand. So you're, you're his uh, full-time carer. You're also the chair of the Dementia Carers Campaign Network. Kevin, come back to yourself. So you're sitting here having a perfectly normal conversation with me, but could that, could, could something manifest itself any minute for you or... Or what's the story? No, um, I could be at home this morning, and to be honest with you, I 
I wasn't, but I could be in a terrible mood. But when I have to do something, I was in UCC a couple of weeks ago and I was coming up by train. And to be honest with you, I didn't care whether I got on the train, I got in front of the train. That's oh. that's the way my mood was. But when you're doing something like this, then it's like, it's your time. You know, you just go into a complete different personality because I do so much public speaking and I can be in terrible, terrible form before it starts. But when I'm there in that room full of people, I'm a full-time advocate now. Like, I'm vice chair of Alzheimer Europe. I'm chair of the Irish Dementia Working Group for the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland. I'm co-founder of Louis Body Ireland. I'm involved in Dementia Trials Ireland. I'm with GBHI. At full-time as research. And why? 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 Why is it so important to you to do that work? I'll tell you, this is very simple. Dr. O'Toole asked me last year, what are you doing that's keeping yourself so good? Mm-hmm. Because she said, I'm just supplying the medication. So I told her what I was involved in. Mm-hmm. And she said, keep doing what you're doing. I look at my brain as a muscle. And I have two choices. If I don't use it, I lose it. Like you were talking about writing while ago. The one thing I hated going to school was writing. Yeah. Or reading. Or anything like that. And now I love it. I have a passion. And every one of us have it deep down inside. Every one of us have a passion. But we need to find it. And when we do, our lives become so much better. They become mm. so much more enhanced. Yeah. I don't know the meaning of the word no. And it's another thing that you're, you're kind of busting another myth in that when you hear the word dementia, we think wrongly, that it takes your language and your love and your use of language. Yeah. You see, the first thing, the first thing about a person with dementia is, and I'm a big advocate for this, I honestly think there is no such thing as a touch of dementia or dementia and so on. It's an umbrella term. It's like saying, if you, if you went to a medical practitioner's office in the morning and they say you have cancer, they'd tell you what type, what stage and what the plan yes. is yes. going forward. It should be the same and people who have dementia should be treated the same because it's their right. Like, if you don't know what type of dementia, how can you treat it? I see. You know, you have to know it and that's where it begins. And the earlier it's cut on, that's why dementia trials are brilliant because they, they can check people and people are coming forward to see do they have it and, and get it at an early stage. Yes, I see. And there is so much, so much more that can be done and there's a lot of living to be done. You're living the life of Riley. You're just back from the, the Camino and I want to talk about that but talk to me about you. I know you have, to, you have to take medication. Like, Can you take medication to suppress these awful nightmares, for example? Um, yeah, I take... I take two, only two medications for my Lewy body dementia. One is Danizapil for hallucinations. I take one a day. Mm. And the other is the Rivetrol. And as Selena said, I started off on two, but I'm now gone to ten. And what they do is they slowly, or they decrease the severity of the nightmares. I see. So where I'd have... Are they a kind of a sleeping tablet? Or they're not really, and they work different for so many people. Let me put in context, there's a very good friend of ours who has um, MSA, multiple systems atrophy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Multiple systems atrophy and Lewy body dementia are like identical twins. It's pretty much only the name that separates them. 
uh, people with epilepsy take the, the Rivetrol. So it's it has a lot of different functions. But okay. for me, it works to reduce the severity okay. of it has an effect on brain function. Yeah. And therefore, reduces the severity of the nightmares. No, the Camino. Oh my God, that was a trip I am never going to forget. How did it come about? Um. I always wanted to do it, and five years ago, I, I was on a walking frame. They did up my house uh, to get it wheelchair accessible, because you go from not walking to a walking frame to a wheelchair. But I had in the back of my mind all the time about doing the Camino. Now, I walk with the aid of a walking stick all the time, but I only do that because I lose my balance every now and again. And I, I always wanted to do it the Camino, and then I thought, okay, you can do it in a wheelchair. And then I thought, no... So I put the idea out of my head, but I said, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And I got a message one day from a guy in Spain called Fernando Perez. And they were setting up this walking to talk for dementia. And would I be interested in it? And Professor Kate Erwin from DCU, Professor Elsie Meliroy, who has rooms in St. James's and is at Trinity College, and actually Professor Brian Lawler came out for the last day. We we spent seven days there last week. We spent four days walking. Mm. Your face, as you began to speak, your face has lit up with a smile, the width of Patrick Street. <laughs> Why, Kevin? What what the, has happened to you out there? I, I still can't explain what has happened to me, but there was people with dementia, different types. There was people who were carers, there was professors, there was researchers, there was academics, there was all kind inside in the one bus. And the one thing that united us was, there was no egos, we were all there for the one cause. And the proudest moment of my life is when, <laughs> sorry, Peter. Take your time, pal, take your time, take your time. It's when the eight of us who had dementia we led our group, but not just our group, but 300 people from all over Spain who followed us into the square in Santiago. And um, I literally went down on my hands and knees and I kissed the ground. Because that morning, Fernando said to me, you don't have to do the whole walk today. It will be too much for you. And I said, no, I've been building up to this moment all of my life. How long was that walk? That walk was nearly seven kilometres. And I said, I am not going to stop. No, I like a few pints, as you can probably see, you're right? And I won't, I won't sing unless um, I have a few pints in me. And I bought an hour into it. And I don't know why, and I don't know where it came from. But I burst into song. You didn't. And we sang the whole way home. And we all linked arms together. And it was a moment... That I don't care how bad my dementia ever gets, the feeling of that week is never, never ever going to leave me. Oh, you're there, it's, it's so special. It's, um, you know, I don't care. There's, there's loved ones that have people inside in care home facilities there and nursing homes. And maybe they're nonverbal. And maybe they're, you know, they, they, they think that they can't communicate. The one thing you will never lose is you will never lose a feeling. Or you will never lose the way a person made you feel. So that is why when you go in and see your loved one, 
they may smile. They may think you're your brother or sister or whatever, but they may smile and they're happy. And for God's sake, what do any of us in life want to be only happy? It's funny, you know. Were you there, Helena? Oh, yes, 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 absolutely. And um, so uh, there was a whole lot, a couple of hundred carers as well. And we were there as supporters, but we walked as well. And it was a fantastic accomplishment for those with dementia and indeed for others as well. It was fantastic. And the one thing it proved uh, to us is that, yes, uh, Kevin has a diagnosis of um, Lewy body, which is um, a very insipid disease, really, and has lots of hidden manifestations. Mm. But there are good times there are good moments of joy and the great thing about Lewy body is that there are fluctuations so the Lewy body dementia can be like the Irish weather you can have four seasons in one day you can be very bad in the morning and he just has no petrol in the tank at all and then in the afternoon he could even go for a light little walk or something like that but I think for carers who are listening it is so important that carers need to look after their own health and well-being. Mm. In Trinity College in Dublin in 2013, they did research on spousal carers and they found that there was a higher percentage of spousal carers in Ireland with a, a higher percentage of chronic diseases such as high blood pressure, anxiety, depression, diabetes, etc., etc. We need to care for Therefore, the carers. it is essential that we take responsibility for our own health, we ask for support, we accept it when we, we're given it, because sometimes we have this carer's guilt, oh, we have to do it all on our own. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B, and advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Uh, but it is important to talk about it. And also for those uh, living with Louis Body. Um, there's also, he has visual hallucinations, but he can also smell horrible odours. He can also hear people uh, talking around him. Um, there's an awful lot of hidden manifestations with Lewy body dementia mm. and uh, memory is not the major one, yeah. but confusion is. Yeah. Are the hard days very hard, Kev? 
Yeah, it, um, they're, they're very, very, very tough. I put it like this to you. Uh, Robin Williams is probably one of the, the most fa famous people. Genius. That Genius. They ever had um, Louis by dementia. Did he? And he committed suicide. Did he have it? And at that time, um, he didn't know he had it. But and, but the doctors didn't know he had it. And... and um, the scans weren't available. I, I remember, I watched the film Robin's Wish and I, I actually have a friendly relationship with his wife, Susan Snyder Williams, and Tyler Norwood, who directed the film Robin's Wish. And he asked, you'll see it in that film, he asked, do I have dementia? But at that time, you could guess or you could summarize that, yeah, they have dementia, but it was only in a post-mortem they could say, I yeah. See. And that in itself... For someone like Robin that committed suicide, for the family to be told after, well, yes, he did commit suicide, but on the brain autopsy, the reason he did it was because he had the Louis Boy dementia. It doesn't bring him back, no. but doesn't it make the family's life that little bit easier that, knowing this, this there was a reason behind it? This comic genius, this wit that was faster than the speed of light. I, I do the very same thing. The same thing as you have. I do the very same thing. I cover up. I can cover up pain. Um, I can cover up anger. I can cover up fear with comedy, with a kind of being Jack the Yeah. You know. Um, and when I'm feeling when I'm feeling down out, and I actually wrote a poem. It is in one of my books there. Um, it's called Kevin, Louis, and Robin, and um, it's hanging over in his wife's house next to oh, uh, his portrait which I'm very proud of I'll come back to you I want to talk a little bit more I want to talk about Croom which yeah. is a, a, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. a dementia friendly town and I also want to talk about your books and, and everything else I'm talking to the incredible uh, Kevin Quaid and his wife Helena and lads it's very few people come in here and knock <laughs> me sideways in my chair but you've done it we're back in a sec join the conversation text or whatsapp 0833 96 96 96 this is the opinion line with PJ Cooley 96 FM so I'm talking to uh, Kevin and his wife Helena Kevin is 59 diagnosed with uh, Louis body dementia which as I'm learning is just one of many different types of dementia and we're talking about how it affects Kevin and indeed it affects you Helena um, I'll come back to it because you some advice maybe for people families living with dementia living with someone who has dementia of various different kinds uh, but talk to me about McCroom now there's a big it's, it's, it's a dementia friendly town how important is it to you and what does that actually mean in the first place well I never realised how important it was until I was above in Killaloo, Bannelnab one day. That's on the Tip Clare border. And I went to Super Value Shop and there was a sign up on the door that said Killaloo, Bannelnab, Dementia Friendly Community. Mm. By looking at that sign, I felt so safe. Look at the size of me. I'm six foot one, I'm 20 stone. I could be afraid of nothing. I should be afraid of nothing. I'm terrified all my life. I am afraid of... The dark, um, I'm afraid of quietness. But I walked into that shop and I asked for the manager. And I shook hands with him, told him where I was and told him I'd do by dementia. And his face lit up. And I said, I am so delighted to see the sign 
what does it mean? You know, what do we, what do we actually do? Is it, it's more than a sign. And he says, yeah, he said, we're a small community. Most people like yourself now feel safe. They can say we have dementia. They might need a couple of minutes, you know, to sort out their money or they might need to ask where's the bread or where's the milk. Just simple things that, that when their memory, their memory is going. So I have to give a special shout out to Alberto. Um, mm-hmm. AIB in um, McCroom. Mm-hmm. He's one of the leading lights and one of the first volunteers mm-hmm. into making McCroom dementia friendly. Shall we say well known in this parish? <laughs> <laughs> but it's people. It's people like that. Yeah. It's business. It's business people like that, and that when the stickers will go up on the, the shops and the windows, that people like me are safe feel safe in our town and what's more is that people in the town will have an understanding like I'm a blowing to Kentork mm. and Limerick my living in Kentork and when I launched my first book I don't hide the fact that I have dementia I got one of the biggest pubs in Kentork and I had my book launched there Good. and I told everyone about it and you see the upshot, the the big big plus is that when you go in, when I go into town, Helena can drop me off for a pint or a cup of coffee. People know me, and if they see me and I don't look right or I'm off colour or whatever, they'll just come up and say, "Are you okay?" And I'm there now. I'm there eight years, but I'm an advocate. We'll say with six years, I'm just traced as Kevin Quaid mm. or that fella from Limerick, yeah. you know, and. I don't take myself too seriously, mm. and I live in I live a normal life, but it it is so important, and I am so thrilled that McCroom McCroom is going to be a leading light for Ireland. To be honest with you, because the more towns like this that we have, and the more we can bring on board, the more we can get rid of the stigma. We can bring it out in the open, mm. and we can. Robin Williams once said, and I'm probably the same. The bottom line is, I want people and families to be less afraid when you get diagnosed. If you get diagnosed early enough, not everyone is going to be lucky enough to get diagnosed early enough. But if you do, there's help there. Yeah. And it's it's okay. We're there to help. Yeah. And there is help there for you. Have you ever come, come across a thing called, bringing this in now off my own agenda, have you ever come across a thing called a jam card? I have one in my pocket. I have good for you, and good I also and I also have um, does jam does jam card and let me go to my wallet that's full of everything but money. <laughs> <laughs> I have this as well. Please offer me a seat. I have an invisible. Oh, that's lovely. Because when you're on a train or something, and there's people that won't want to talk, and if you just show that card, as you can see, it's like the size of a credit card. You'll get it at any any train station. The same size as the leap card. Yeah. Now that you mentioned it. Irish Rail are, fa- are fantastic. They have them. But if you don't want to ask or don't feel comfortable asking someone, you know the designated seats that are there for people with walking sticks. Indeed, I do. You just show the card. And, and, and 90% of people, they're great nature, they're great empathy. They're going to give you a seat straight away. Can we talk a little bit about four and two families who are living with the different forms of dementia. I think that for me is the biggest education of the last 30 odd minutes we've been talking. The different types. I visited a family uh, several times last year where the man of the house has vascular dementia. And I was sitting chatting with them, interviewing them actually for this program. 
watch it. And I, he, he, he doesn't speak and his mobility is, is gone. He's very dependent, the poor man. But I looked across at him and I saw into his eyes and he understood every word I was saying. And it was a, like a teaching moment for me, do you know? And I have a great friend whose who's dad is in his early 90s and has gone to a nursing home now and is back in his youth. It's hard for the families. Can you offer anything to the families about what's going on in that mind? It is very hard for the families. And just because a person is nonverbal doesn't mean they're gone deaf. Doesn't mean they don't understand what's being said in front of them. And probably at the later stages of dementia, they don't need to know all the details. So when you're at late, I, like at my stage, I want to know what's going on. But in my later stages, I probably won't want to know everything that is happening. Mm. I'll want to know happy memories. I'll want to know. I want to be taken back to a happy place. What do all of us want in life? Like, uh, We all just want to be happy. We want to be able to smile. We don't want to be sad. Mm. And I've seen in so many cases where a person will go into a neurologist or a GP or whatever, and their partner's with them, mm. and they're saying how bad it is and how bad it's going to get in the whole lot of that. Now, every person is different, but a lot of people don't need to hear that. Yeah. Maybe the family only need to hear that, you know. I always say, don't ask me what it's like to live with Louis by dementia, because I haven't a clue. If you want to know what it's like to live with it, you have to ask my wife. And I'm about to do that. If you want to know what it's like to have it, then you ask me, because I'm an expert in very few things in my life, but I'm an expert in knowing what it's like to have it. Helena, I'll turn to you because I'm watching him speak to me and listening to him speaking. The whole of Cork is fascinated with this. The people have stopped their cars and pulled in. They've sat down at their kitchen table. They've shoved the children in to watch cartoons and they are sitting. <laughs> That's it. I'm, I'm watching you watching him. And do you know what I see? An incredible amount of love. Well, incredible amount of love. Yes, absolutely. And I'm his supporter, but I'm also his caring companion. And as a caring companion, I would like to say to all the other caring companions out there listening, to a caring, I wrote a poem one time, and my last two lines were, to a caring companion, you are never in debt. As a caring companion, never gives to get. And I believe that we have to be so aware every day, even though, Kevin, as I said at the beginning, it's about loss when dementia comes into your life and loss of his true personality and loss of his uh, outgoing nature, I suppose, really. But Ke Kevin's true personality is in there and it comes out at, at different times and all of that. And I do always say that Kevin is exceptional from other people I know that has cognitive decline or Lewy body, even though we don't know that many, he has a great bounce back ability. Mm. And I think that's uh, an innate personality. Um, I suppose it, he can get into that bounce back ability yeah. every now and then. Okay. 
But what I would like to say, just in case we are giving the wrong impression to people listening, that medicine and Rivetril fixes everything. It doesn't. It is still a progressive, incurable disease. And Kevin's disease has progressed in the last eight years and before it. I can see it progressing all the time. Therefore, even though he's taking 10 Rivetril a night, he can still see foxes coming through the ceiling. He can still see me as a big black man who has come into the room. Or he might say, if I came into the bedroom, he'd say, "Um, I thought you just went out and who were the two women that were with you? Um, Even though he's still on that medicine. Hmm. Um, What What do you do with it? How do you answer that question? I just say, all right, I, I don't, because I have to go into his reality. I can't contradict what he sees, mm-hmm. what he hears, um, you know, people talking and all of that. I can't contradict him because at that moment in time, that they're is there. Kevin's reality in cognitive decline. So I say, all right, okay, I, I make, you know. All I'm disappointed is the two women have left. I don't mind telling you. I, you, uh, you, were, you were saying about families, and I think the one thing that's very, very important, and you're going to have families where the person that's there has dementia, and the stigma is still around it. But if you need help, pick up the phone and dial one eight hundred three four one three four one. That's the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland's helpline. Mm. Talk to them. They are absolutely fantastic. Okay. Because you may you may be going on this journey on your own, and there are people listening this morning that are on their journey alone because the husband is saying to the wife, I want no one to know about it. Or the wife is saying, we can't tell anyone about it. Yeah. And it's themselves that are hurting. So at the very least, pick up that, that pick up the phone and have, have a speak to have a, have a talk to them. Eddie says, I have a sister with early onset dementia. I'm crying tears of joy. Listening. Good man, Eddie. Right. Um, fabulous couple, brilliant advocates, inspiration. Sounds like you're living life to the full. That's from Dave. I'm in, in my kitchen in tears, listening to the pride and emotion in Kevin's voice. That's from Mandy. I had to pull in off the road to listen to him on the radio. I had a brother with dementia, and he was a wonderful person too. And there's just lots of them there. Lads, I don't mind telling you, I'm, I'm half in tears myself, That's listening to the two of you here. Briefly and finally, the books. Um, Louis Body Dementia Survival and Me, and then I'm Kevin, not Louis. And there's a third one. Yeah, Is I have... gone to press? No, it's not gone to press. Um, it's not even finished, but it's it's... The first book was a book where you have to get you get to know me um, about my diagnosis and how we as a family dealt with it. And I have three children, three stepchildren, one of my brothers and a good friend of mine. They all wrote a piece in it, what it's like for them. So you get the whole package in the first book of what it's like going from not having a diagnosis to what I think may have led up to it. Yeah. But the second book then is what can be achieved after a diagnosis. Okay. The, the road that I've come, the journey that I've come, and my next book is going that bit farther again. Like, the connection that's there with music, the arts, the whole lot. We wrote a song there recently that, uh, that's everyone in Ireland is going to hear. Yeah, you were saying to me that even people who don't speak anymore because of their dementia, they can sing. 
they can sing. That's, wow. that's the most amazing thing about it. And if you have someone at home, and there possibly is, and if this only helps one family this morning listening to you, mm. this program has been worth it. If you have a mother or a grandmother or a father and they're walking around with a songbook, let it be the wolf tones or something, put on one of the songs in that book and listen to them sing, and I'll tell you one thing, it's going to make your world a different place. I want to finish both with you briefly with the, a, a different question to you both. Um, Kevin, first of all, there's probably somebody listening to us right now who has had a diagnosis and is struggling big time to come to terms with what they've been told. Any minute, speak directly to them, not to me. Whoever has listened to this, I've been there. I have been exactly where you are. And for six years, believe it or not, I thought I was the only one in Ireland that had Louis Wade dementia. But I'm not. And I can tell you now as I sit here, don't be afraid. You're not alone. There are people like me here to help you. And like the Camino, the last year, I'll take you by the hand and we'll walk hand in hand with this journey together. And we will cry and we will cry a lot, but I'll tell you one thing for certain and two things for nothing. We'll have a lot of laughs along the way. So please, 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 do not be afraid to reach out for help. We have things called Tea Time with Louis, where people can come in anonymously and listen once a month. I give up, can you give up, can I give up my email to people? You can. That want to, it's Indeed you can. Kevin Quaid 9, K-E-V-I-N, Q-U-A-I-D 9, at gmail.com. Okay, we'll share all this anymore. Just send me an email. Just an email and, and your name and address. And not, not your address, sorry, your name. Okay. And the help is there. For God's sake, use it. You Not only your life, but your family's life will become a whole lot easier. And Helena, for the families. Yeah, for families and carers, we have to remember that any diagnosis of whatever type of dementia, whether it's Alzheimer's type, uh, cardiovascular, frontotemporal, or Lewy body, or indeed many of the others, um... This is a family disease. It's a family diagnosis and it impacts the family in all different ways and every member in a different way. And there is an anticipatory grief that comes with a diagnosis such as an incurable disorder or a progressive disorder, as in Lewy body, there's no curative medicine for it. Um, therefore, it's support. It's chatting about uh, this, the lived experience um, giving each other strength shoulder to shoulder and the most important thing of all is the day you get the diagnosis is not a diagnosis of death there's always hope there's hope for a better tomorrow there's hope for good days there may be very bad hours in the middle of it and very bad moments but there are good days moments of joy and coming back from the Camino that just proved it by God we were all alive that's I sometimes this old job you come across people and they impress you and then they leave and you move on I'll struggle to move on from this you have been the most extraordinary company for the last three quarters of an hour Kevin and Helena Quaid thank you both thank you so so much Cheers. thank you Corks 96 FM